On today's show, a Christmas edition of Lots on Hawks podcast covering some trade rumors, the latest on the team's performance on the floor, your mailbag questions, and much more. And all of that is coming up. You are Locked on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1617 of the Lothan Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on Christmas Eve into Christmas Day. And today's podcast is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account. Use promo code Lothan NBA for $20 off your first purchase with GameTime. And also, at the top of the podcast, as I always do, especially on a holiday occasion such as this, I encourage you to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify, as well as YouTube on the video side. And as I sort of mentioned before, a Christmas special of sorts. It'll be posting Christmas Eve, and it'll be going, uh, sort of be the podcast of record on Christmas Day, and into the next day after that as the Hawks return to action on Tuesday. And honestly, a lot of trade stuff on this podcast. I kind of purposely held off some of the more rumbling slash rumor stuff in the last few days. But before we get to that, some notes on, by the way, coming up on this podcast, DeJounte, Click Capella, DeAndre Hunter, some mailbag stuff as well. But first, some stuff, again, I'm recording this podcast on Sunday night, no injury report for the game on Tuesday for the Atlanta Hawks, as I would normally get to on a podcast like this. I can tell you that Kobe Bufkin and B. Krejci were transferred to College Park earlier today. So it doesn't mean that they're actually going to stay there through the game on Tuesday, but the Hawks were off today and will be off again tomorrow as the whole league will be. That's not playing. Everybody that's not playing in a game tomorrow will be off. The entire league actually is off on Christmas Eve. Uh, but obviously, keep an eye on that and their status. There's a chance Jalen Johnson will return to action. Uh, there's a chance that DeAndre Hunter will return to action. Maybe even both those guys on Tuesday. We will see on that front. And in fact, while we're here, I would be I, I was a little bit surprised by some of the reaction that I got when I said something that's pretty clean and pretty simple today on Twitter slash X that I've kind of shared on the podcast before, but maybe not quite as plainly as I did today. Um, so I got a few questions about that. I wanted to sort of talk about that now on the show at the top of the podcast briefly. What essentially said was that the Hawks have a lot of struggles this season, and a lot of that is stemming from a simple reality, and that's basically that the Hawks don't have enough defensive talent on the roster at any position other than center. On one hand, it's pretty obvious, honestly, I think, if you watch the team on a regular basis. On the other, I know that not everyone's watching every second of every game. I get all that, and different opinions are always out there on different subjects. I totally understand that as well. I'm not saying that everything comes down to the defense or that um, it's all about talent necessarily. It was really magnified last night as I recorded the podcast at like 3 a.m. basically um, on Saturday without Jalen Johnson and DeAndre Hunter. And honestly, the way I put it was I can see the path to the Hawks being competent, not great, but competent defensively when they have Jalen and DeAndre both available. If you miss one of those guys, it starts to get pretty dicey. If you, if you miss both those guys, it is pretty dire as far as perimeter defensive talent, basically non-center defensive talent. I won't do the entire thing in long form, but... If you just go through the entire rest of the roster, basically, that was available on Saturday, that wasn't a center. So not Clint, not Onyeka, not even Bruno. Nobody else are big pluses on defense outside of maybe Trent Forrest. And I guess maybe Wes Matthews in certain matchups. But if Trey's gotten better, for sure. But he's not a huge difference maker positively on the defensive end of the floor. He never will be. DeJounte isn't either. Bogey definitely isn't a huge defensive uh, difference maker. Bay definitely isn't. Garrison Matthews is just kind of okay. He, can, he competes, but he's not great at all. Be Krejci's not. Patty Mills is definitely not. Seth Lundy might be in the future a great defender or even a really good defender, but right now he's a rookie. He's not a huge plus 
defensively. Wes Matthews, again, solid, but he's not going to change your world at age 37. And Trent Forrest is very good, probably their best, best defender that's not a center. But obviously, there's a reason he's on a two-way deal right now. It's because he's very limited on offense. So you're giving up a lot of that stuff back. So it isn't rocket science necessarily. There are ways to patch it together. But I wanted to be pretty you know, clear on that in some respects. And in the end, the Hawks just have to get better defenders, better talent on the floor defensively. And that means changing up the roster at some point in the future. It's fair to worry about how much things will be bleak without Jalen or Hunter. Like, it might just be fine um, if they're playing, or it might be fine-ish if they're playing, but if it's not really a great setup roster-wise if you can't miss either one of your starting forwards, basically, or the defense kind of you know sinks to the bottom. So, anyway, that's out of the way now. I got some questions about that today, so I want to at least start with that. But from there, it'll be mostly trade stuff the rest of this special edition Christmas podcast. And a lot of it is rumors. So we'll start with the rumor-slash-rumbling stuff at the top of the show here. And the biggest one that got the most traction, I would say, in the last few days was from Mike Scotto of Hoopsite, formerly of The Athletic, does a great job covering all NBA machinations. And Mike reported that the New York Knicks are, quote, among several teams who have expressed exploratory trade interest in DeJounte Murray. Now, before we dig into all of that, Murray cannot be traded until mid-January. January 9th is the day, I believe, because he signed that four-year extension back in July. I noted that at the time, he can't be traded for six months, and we're getting up to that time at this point in time, at, at, you know, right now, basically. Like two and a half weeks or so from now before he's allowed to be traded in any circumstance. Now, I praised the extension back in July, and I still would right now, because it was a deal that surprised most of the league and that Murray chose to sign it. Not, not that the Hawks were offering it, that was kind of always going to happen, but and it wasn't like pennies on the dollar, but it was a deal that was below the market projection for DeJounte. And look, on his side, he guaranteed nine figures, and that's a lot of money, so I don't blame him at all for taking it, but it's pretty team-friendly. It's $30 million a year on average, but that's not really what it used to be in the NBA. Now, $30 million a year is not like a max salary for someone of DeJounte's caliber, and he's not a max player, I don't believe, but he is someone who is a top 50 guy in the league, and that kind of player gets that kind of money. It's just what it is. So, I talked about that a lot back at the time of what transpired there, but given the way the Hawks have started this season, I get questions regularly from fans, from people around the league, etc., about whether the Hawks would even consider moving DeJounte by the time, you know, by February, basically. Importantly, this report from Mike is about other teams exploring DeJounte Murray discussions, not the Hawks shopping him. That's a very key difference that I have to point out a lot, is that, you know, shopping and listening are different contexts. And at least this, this reporting is that they're just listening, or at least maybe even listening on DeJounte Murray. I do believe, though, that there are only two guys on this team, but I'd be very surprised if they were available at all, and that is, of course, Trey Young and Jalen Johnson. DeJounte is still the second-best player on the team when it comes to the way he's perceived and the way that he produces you know, stats, all that stuff, and the contract is pretty attractive, so I think the team should call on DeJounte, honestly. But I also believe, and this is a key point at this point in time, the Hawks should listen on DeJounte. That might be kind of a surprise to some people, and I'm not saying they have to trade him by any means in the next six weeks. But with where the team is right now, where the organization is right now in the last couple of years, where they're playing right now, obviously there's a big investment in Murray. And with my own thoughts sort of on the way he's played defense since he arrived in Atlanta, kind of out there, he's not been great on the end of the floor, I think that they would, they would be, at least be served to listen on DeJounte. See, what ha- see what's out there, take calls, not necessarily proactively shop him, but certainly be, be willing to listen if somebody calls. Um, that's kind of probably what I think right now. Well, I'm sure I'll have more on that in the, in the next six weeks, but there you go. As for the particulars, the Knicks are currently the only team that I have seen publicly linked in a credible report to Murray, but they probably would not be alone if the Hawks were to make it kind of known 
that Jonte was available in trade. I think the Knicks, as we'll talk about at some point, uh, maybe more. And, you know, part of the, the fit stuff in New York is actually interesting. His defensive reputation is still miles better than his actual play around the league. Keep that in mind. I think that's part of the reason why maybe some teams might be interested in him that maybe shouldn't be. And for me, the Knicks, I'm not sure about that. But we'll have more on that. But, you know, all that said, DeJounte is uh, at least been kind of out there now for the first time as a potential guy the Hawks might listen on. That was the first kind of salvo from Mike, and we'll have more coming up on DeJounte. We'll have more on Click Capella, Deandre Hunter, mailbag questions, etc. Before we get to all of that, though, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors and our partners over there at eBay Motors team up with on fantasy basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're preparing for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire in your, in your season-long leagues, every week we'll, we'll be providing some players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see right now who Josh believes has picked out for us when it comes to this week's edition of eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. As always, there's a lot of guys that he's highlighting across the board. We're going to focus today, though, on Spurs wing Malachi Branham. Branham and essentially all of the Spurs guys right now, other than Wemby, are kind of off the radar. The Spurs are not very good this year, but Branham was a first-round pick a couple years ago. He's still only 20 years old. He's been starting lately for the for the Spurs. He's actually started eight straight games and had double figures in each of those eight games. So he's very productive. And I think that scouting him back in the college days and back to high school even, he's always been a bucket. He can score. No question about that. Uh, Josh also points out that his pass has been better in recent days. That helps his fantasy value quite a bit. And generally speaking, the Spurs' defense is pretty bad. So lots of high-scoring games, good stuff for fantasy basketball, what's mostly about counting stats, et cetera, et cetera. And Josh believes that he's under value right now. It is easy to see why. And one more time, Josh Lloyd, who's fantastic for multi fantasy basketball, is going to be helping out with your winning championship teams in fantasy basketball this year. eBay Motors, those championship teams are all about each player being a perfect fit for your roster. It's the same, by the way, for your vehicle. I'm on the road a ton covering the Hawks, covering NBA stuff, college basketball stuff, and also my day job across the board. And there'll be times where I actually need my car to be upgraded. Or if I'm looking for to fix a part or two, keep things running and on schedule, eBay Motors is the best possible place to do all of that. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you can make sure that each car or truck that you're looking for stays running smoothly. They have brake kits, they have LED lights, roof racks, whatever vehicle happens to need. They have bumpers as well. eBay Motors will have all that stuff for you. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices at eBay Motors... You're burning rubber and not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive right now at ebaymotors.com. That is ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so some more here on DeJounte Murray because I talked about scholars reporting already, and that was sort of the, kind of the first appetizer right now. Then Ian Begley reported similar stuff on Sunday. Uh, Ian, Ian Begley used to be at ESPN, now he's at SNY, a, a very trusted source up in New York in particular. So the reporting there from Ian says that, quote, some prominent members of the Knicks organization see Atlanta's Jante Murray as an ideal trade target. The Knicks were in on Murray before the Hawks got him. I actually heard that back then in summer 2022. They were trying to trade for him. Also, they've been kind of trade, kind of tried to. They've been pretty linked to a lot of the guys. Donovan Mitchell's the most famous of those guys. But Begley noted that some people with the Knicks view him as a quote great fit with with Jalen Brunson. Uh, this is me talking now, not Ian. Honestly, I would not agree with that. I think that he and he and Jalen Brunson um, are not a perfect fit by any means. Uh, Brunson, uh, this, this might sound familiar to Hawks fans. Brunson is a small, defensively challenged guard who needs the ball in his hands on offense. That seems kind of familiar to me. Um, and I think that, as I've said before, I think Trey is better than Jalen Brunson. Different players, but certainly same position, same, not same, but similar strengths and weaknesses, etc. But I think at the very least, we could say that's probably not the ideal pairing for DeJounte Murray, but that's just me. 
just saying what I think. Um, also, Ian wrote about some reported unease between Clutch Sports, by the way, who represents DeJounte Murray, uh, and the Knicks in the past. I'm not sure how much, of that, how much of that would matter at all. And Murray is, of course, signed long-term, so Clutch could not stop a trade because he's under contract and can be traded anywhere he wants to be for the Hawks. But a lot of the time, with prominent guys on this level, agents get pretty involved in the trade stuff. So, um, for instance, like, Ian said this too, but if if Murray wanted to go to New York, which wouldn't surprise me, uh, you know, Dante certainly is a guy who likes, uh, you know, big markets would not would not surprise me at all. I think that he is a confident guy, would be comfortable in New York, etc. Um, that the agency, this is reporting again from Ian, that they wouldn't stand in the way of that and they facilitate it. But quote, unless a player requests a move to New York, Rich Paul is reluctant to deal with the Knicks. That's the way that Ian said it. Again, I'm not reporting that. That's something Ian Begley said. I don't know what to make of all that, but it's still early for all this stuff. But the Knicks. Being interested in Murray is not a surprise if they are. I mean, again, they already were once before, not that long ago. It's the same front office, by the way, that was that wanted Murray the last time. Again, they've explored Donovan Mitchell, who is better than DeJounte, but they're kind of similar in terms of, like, they're not, like, pure point guards, but they are definitely playing point guard. They're scorers. Again, Mitchell's a better player, but if they like Mitchell, and they seemingly do, it would not be a, a huge stretch to go to DeJounte. So, anyway, New York calling Atlanta for DeJounte would not be a huge surprise to me. It's still very, very early We'll get into more of this later on, but people were kind of asking why I, th- why I haven't talked about this yet. I was saving it, and uh, again, all that, all those factors are still in play. It's still very early, and uh, we'll touch on that if we need to from there. Uh, elsewhere, on the trade rumblings front, not always rumors, but certainly rumblings, my guy Jake Fisher of Yahoo reported that Clint Capella, quote, might be the best big man for the taking before the deadline in the NBA, and that's pretty high praise from Jake. Of course, he referenced pre- previous reporting on the talks that the Hawks had with the Mavs in the summer. And nothing concrete right now at all, but if Capella was to be made available, he's going to get interest from teams. There's no question about that in my mind that needs center help. Maybe a team like Memphis, for instance, like who, we, who actually the Hawks just saw on Saturday. They're playing without uh, Steven Adams right now. If they're, if they're trying to make a push, Capella would make some sense. I think Dallas will probably be out of it now with Derek Lively, but I think that Capella is a very valuable player. And by the way, he's also playing extremely well the last few weeks. It probably helps this market on some level. Jake also wrote that the Hawks, quote, have left rival teams with the impression that they are still open to moving one of, if not both of, Clay Capella and DeAndre Hunter. Not a huge surprise, but still notable. Mark Stein, of his substack at this point, you know, of course, legendary uh, NBA reporter, um, noted that Hunter and Capella are both probably available at this point in time. He said that both on his podcast and also on his substack. Mike Scott reported that Hunter and Capella are the usual trade sus- suspects for the Hawks right now. We're not quite to John Collins' level of hilariously having the same guy on the block for like three-plus years, but Hunter and Capella have been available for a while, and they still are, it seems like. From what I've heard, what's been reported, um, at the very least, those guys are not off the table by any means. Um, One more thing from Chris Haynes, actually, um, who is all over the place, of course, a prominent reporter. I'll give the caveat here. It was a podcast with Mark Stein. It was not written down, so it wasn't like perfectly clear. But it was a little bit looser of a comment, but it seemed like Haynes was putting the Hawks in a group of teams that were potential sellers much more than buyers, which is notable to me. Again, not shocking, but um, you know, that's kind of where we are at this point in time. We'll have more on, you know, on DeAndre and Clint, but it's kind of the same old story in some ways. Like as soon as they signed the extension for Hunter, which I think was kind of a weird, it kind of happened at the last minute. You know, I think no one in Atlanta is making DeAndre Hunter a sacred cow at this point in time. You know, it was a previous regime that drafted him. I know that Tony kind of, you know, pushed it a little bit. They like they like DeAndre Hunter when it comes to extending him. But I think it's fair to say, even if you, as someone who probably defends DeAndre Hunter more than most at this point in time, 
he's not like a breakout candidate, I don't think, right now. I think he kind of is what he is, for the most part. And there's things that he can improve on, but I think that, you know, the fact that he's an older guy, fifth year in the league, you kind of have to treat him for what he is. And that contract is not like a total disaster, but it isn't a great contract. So I think that would not be surprised to me if they're looking to move on from him. And Capella is the same old story. I mean, I think that they value him as a quality player. I think that Akongwu is certainly a guy they have now signed long-term. I don't think they're, they're probably going to want to have both Clinton and Odeka signed and still around for the long haul, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I will say it's a little bit easier to envision that now than it ever has been because Akongwu has been playing more at the four. But at the same time, Jalen Johnson is a is the team's long-term four at this point in time. So Capella should be available too. You know, I, I'm surprised, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again now, that they have not moved Clint already. Um, not, not not necessarily in the season, but I, you know, over the last two years, I'm surprised that Clint is still on the team. But he does make them better, so if they're kind of not trying to make a decision to get a little bit worse, I think that keeping him for a while does make sense. But um, they're all kind of just on-the-margin decisions, and that's kind of where the Hawks have been for a long time. They've been kind of not all the way in, not all the way out, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think those guys will be in lots of rumors between now and the deadline coming up in February. All right, we'll have more on your mailbag questions actually coming up on the podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You should never have to worry about buying tickets to a big event. And with Game Time, you actually never have to worry because they have last-minute deals and tickets for football or basketball, of course. They have baseball tickets. They have hockey tickets, concerts, comedy, theater, many more activities. And it's incredibly easy to navigate the app as well to find and buy tickets for any event in your area. They're also obsessed in a good way with finding new tickets and finding ways to help you save money on those tickets. They have zone deals for an average savings of 18%. And guess how you can also see the, the view in the venue from your seats before you actually buy them. And it helps you know exactly what to expect when you arrive at that venue. They have all-in pricing as well. It's very convenient. So you can know your total up front without any of the hidden fees that some other places might have. And they have peace of mind, which is a huge thing, especially right now, this time of year in this climate. And Game Time's guarantee means you always get the best possible price with Game Time. Take all the guesswork out of buying tickets by using the Game Time app right now. Download the app right now. Create an account. Use promo code LOTTONNBA for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem that promo code LOTTONNBA for $20 off with Game Time. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, some mailbag questions from you, the listener slash viewer of this podcast. And by the way, I should say this now. I'm always open to taking questions. I will not always answer them on the show, but I'll try to answer them in some form, whether I write you back on that platform that you send them to me, or I'll do them on the show, or both, etc. You can send you can send questions in on Twitter slash X at BT Roland is my personal account, or at Locked On Hawks is the show account. Also, you can email them to me, LockedOnHawks at gmail.com. Also, you can follow me on my written work on Patreon, patreon.com slash BT Roland. You can send some questions in there. And the last place is that you can, if you leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts, there's a place to leave a sort of a comment. You can ask your question there as well. I'll check those as well. So, four places to find comments and questions, and hopefully I will get to all of them. But um, on today's show, a couple questions to hit on now. One of them is actually kind of a funny question in some respects, and it comes from Terrence. It says, why do I keep seeing rumors about Trey to the Spurs? Should I be worried? So I appreciate the question. I have to be pedantic on this one and make it clear that there are actually no rumors on Trey Young to the Spurs. And no, no, honestly, no rumors about Trey at all at this point in time. Now, I get what the question is. There was sort of an online discussion about it in the last couple of days, maybe a last week or so. I'm not even sure where this started, but I got questions from Spurs fans and Spurs bloggers even about what it might take to get Trey to go into San Antonio. Uh, number one, I have never heard to this day anything about the Hawks being in a place to even consider trading Trey. That could change. It certainly could change. 
But right now, I don't think we're there, and they've not been there to this point in time. Number two, I have long thought that the Hawks would only trade Trey if he asked to be traded. And that opinion still stands. Now, that again, that could change too, but right now, that's kind of where I would be. Um, take that for what it's worth. Number three, if he was available, the price would be very high. No question about that. Um, the Hawks would be kind of in an odd spot when trading Trey right now, for instance, because they owe three years of future draft picks to the Spurs as part of the Jonte Murray deal. So they can't really bottom out in the way that you might want to if you were to trade your superstar player. That's not the only way you can possibly do that, but that's one of the paths that teams sometimes take when they're set to kind of trade a guy is to kind of go to the bottom. The Hawks can't really do that functionally. So that's notable. They also would have, though, multiple suitors, I would imagine, for Trey, and you have offers to choose from and sort of sift through and make it a... And honestly, this is more of a me thing now, but if they got to that point, they should make it very clear and kind of take the best offer from all, all of the league. That's where I would be. Anyway, we're not there yet. Um, so no. To answer the question plainly, I would not be worried about Trey and being traded if you don't want that to, be, that, that to happen unless you hear somewhere or that's reported somewhere that Trey is starting to want out himself. I am not naive enough to say that Trey would never want to be traded. That might happen at some point. He's never indicated that, but in the NBA, it is more rare for a guy to stay in one place than it is for a guy to get the wandering eye, especially for a situation where, like, you know, let's just be honest – if you follow the trends of the league, if a team is in the play-in mix in the middle of the league for as long as the Hawks have been now, you know, two and a half years of this, the star sometimes can have a wandering eye. But I wouldn't worry about that until then. I do, though, by the way, get why Spurs fans in particular would want Trey Young because Wemby is essentially the perfect trade partner. Sorry, partner, partner on the court for Trey. Because Wemby is obviously an athletic and physical freak. He can cover so much ground, so, so talented. And then defensively, what I've always thought would be the best defensive way to play with Trey would be to have a guy like Wimby or Rudy Gobert. Who, I mean, Wimby's kind of the evolutionary Rudy Gobert in some ways. So, obviously, put that to the side. I get why the Spurs would be excited. Trey would be their best player right now. He's better than Wimby right now. Obviously, Wimby's probably a higher, higher upside prospect. But right now, today, I think Trey is still a top 15-ish player in the league. And that's that's a very, very, very important and big-time player. And last thing here on, this, on the Hawks front, um, I said a lot about this already, but... I think it gets under-discussed nationally when people kind of just like throw out Trey, not even like rumors, but just like hypotheticals about Trey. Trey is an all-time great of the franchise, and I think with where Tony Wrestler is, where the team is, they're not going to just like move on from him willy-nilly. Like, you could very much argue that since they moved to Atlanta, so take Bob Pettit out of it, for instance, he's probably the second-best player that the Hawks have had behind Dominique Wilkins. You could maybe argue Joe Johnson was kind of on a similar level for part of that time, um, but like, and maybe maybe Matumbo in his absolute prime, but like, there's not really another guy on that list. So like, at a bare minimum, Trey is a top three or four player in the history of the Atlanta Hawks, and that does matter as far as like cultural cachet and you know local <laughs> local everything. And obviously, he's still really good. So if you want to be good, you don't want to trade that guy. So anyway, if that ever came up, we'll cover it. I promise you, wall to wall. But right now, to answer the question, I wouldn't be worried. Um, Question from Christian, and this might be the last one we get to on today's podcast. My apologies. Um, if you had to decide right now, should the Hawks buy, sell, or hold between now and the trade deadline? So I'm going to answer this, but it's worth remembering, and it's sort of, it's sort of implied by the question. Um, but the deadline is still more than six weeks away, and that might as well be eternity. I, I know that Hawks fans don't love this response when I get questions about trade stuff. And we're getting into the time now where it's like not crazy anymore, but people want like action right now today, and I totally understand why, but... The I can't remember what the actual number is, but I know Bobby Marks of ESPN's had this number out there before. 
there is a percentage of the in-season trades that happen within like 10 days of the trade deadline, and that percentage is through the roof. Like, it is much more of an outlier that you get a big trade anywhere in the league before mid-January, basically. It might happen once a year. It usually happens with a player that's, like, trying to get out. Like, if Zach Levine got traded this week, it wouldn't shock me because he has an active trade request. James Harden got traded, but it was because he was actively trying to get out. Um, most of the time, those are the exceptions. Normal, quote-unquote, normal trades don't really happen most of the time until late January, early February. So that's part of why this is kind of an uncertain spot right now. And really, the important thing is, like, it can change situationally. Like, we've seen the ownership, this ownership group, for, for instance, and it's a long time ago now. It was widely reported, including by me, that Tony Ressler, when he kind of first took over during the Budenholzer era, essentially flipped on whether he was allowed to allowing the front office to trade Paul Millsap almost because they won on a five-game winning streak. And, like, that's short-sighted thinking. I, I, obviously, that's not like a per, I wasn't in the room. That was kind of what was out there. I think at the very least, the owner is still in charge. It's the same guy that can be reactionary as a team. And a lot of teams are like that. But, like, you know, the situation, if the Hawks were to win, let's say the Hawks go 10-2 and two in the next 12 games, it's going to change the thinking of a lot of people. So caveats apply. The question is, if it's, if it's me deciding, and I guess it is me right now today is the question, I wouldn't be buying, I don't think. Now, I'm not saying there's, there wasn't a deal that I might do that's out there, but it's kind of hard to justify putting more future-facing assets into this team right now with where they are in the standings and with the outlay of picks that they've already sent out to San Antonio chiefly. Um, I wouldn't rule it out, but I also wouldn't be ur- urgently trying to use future capital unless it was a major kind of splash. Like Obviously, if you want to trade for someone like Siakam or Markkanen, which is kind of stuff that's out there, that's going to involve future capital, and I get that. Those guys are like t- top 30 players in the league. I understand the impetus to do that. But I do think the Hawks could weaponize their big trade exception that they got for the, trade, for the John Collins deal in season, but again, that requires them to go probably into the tax, and Tony Ressler has once again kind of shown no willingness to actually do that, no matter what he says in the public. And maybe, look, look that, could, that could always change, but for now, the perception in the league still remains that the Hawks are a team that does not want to go into the tax. I've heard that. It gets talked about pretty casually, like no one believes they're hostering on the tax. And if they do, they do. But right now, not expecting it. So that's what I think in short. Like I wouldn't be in a rush to put in more assets to the future with this current situation. But in the real world, I'm not making a decision, number one. I kind of can see the Hawks do doing any of the three paths right now. Again, it's early. It's December 24th as I'm recording this podcast. I think they'll be tied to guys like Siakam the whole way through. This front office seems to like entertaining these splashier stuff. They made the Murray trade. They were all the way in on Siakam. Like, they're like kind of looking big picture and for bigger bigger fish, basically. That wouldn't surprise me. They could do something smaller, like what they did with Sadiq Bay last year, which is a pretty good deal in a vacuum, where they kind of target a importantly, cheap third- or fourth-year guy that they can kind of get to add to the rotation um, without using a first-round pick and without going into the tax. That's an interesting kind of dichotomy. And by the way, the Hawks are further under the tax this year than they were last year. They have more room right now. They will, even if, they could add players without staying without without going over the tax in a pretty easy way. I could also see them standing pat because a lot of teams stand pat. Like, I think the defa- people kind of forget this. The default is always to stand pat. It's hard to make trades in the NBA. So there's there's that. And I could also see them selling. I wouldn't surprise me if they sold. Like if you look at the standings again right now, the Hawks are currently 12-17 and 17, as I record this podcast. I believe that they're better than that. I do. But that's what their record is. It, it kind of is what it is at this point in time. So could they trade Capella? Sure they could. That would make them worse, but they, they could do it. Could they trade DeAndre Hunter? Sure they could. 
They could even try DeJounte. They could even try someone like AJ Griffin. Like, none of that stuff would surprise me if they were to not necessarily, like, strip the whole thing down to parts, but kind of strategically sell. Like, trade someone. By the way, part of that is money-related. I'll spare everybody my whole rant about this. It is Christmas after all. But just to remind you, the Hawks are committed heavily money-wise the next couple of years. Um, and I can tell you from what, again, what I heard, Tony's not, like, probably eager to go into the tax. So if you want to, I guess the Hawks have kind of recently held off until the summer to make their annoying tax-ducking moves. Your John Collins trade, your Kevin Herter trade, etc. Um, but they could go a little bit earlier if they wanted to to do that. Um, but as I've chronicled many, many times... The Hawks could do nothing this season, and if they pay Sadiq Bay, they will be into the tax next year with the same team, the same team as the current that is currently twelve and seventeen. And I do not believe that this t- that this ownership group is going to pay the tax for this current roster. I don't believe that. We'll see. Um, anyway, that's the short version. So I know I said it a lot earlier, but a lot is going to depend on how they play in the next six weeks. If they go on a win streak. That could change things. If they get an injury to someone, I mean, obviously Jalen's been out, but let's say Trey, Trey goes down for three weeks and rolls an ankle, and they go further down in the, in the standings. Like, they're not going to buy if Trey's hurt. Like, it's not going to happen. That, I'm not, that's obviously an extreme example, but a lot is going to change. At least, at least a lot could change in the next six weeks. That's not how they play. Um, and it shouldn't be that way, probably, when you look at the organizational like mandate of, of big picture. Like, I would probably encourage people to not make decisions based on six weeks of sample. But that's what the Hawks have done in the past, and a lot of teams might do that. But I think the tenor is going to change if they're the 11 seed versus if they're the 6 seed at the deadline. Like, that's a pretty big difference as far as, like, operationally. So, all that said, buckle up. We'll have more on this, but they could do a lot of different things. Like, no path is closed off to them at this point, and I think that, that makes it interesting. It also makes it a little bit vexing right now. It's kind of the story of the season so far right now for the Hawks is that they're kind of vexing. They're better than this, I believe. But the results are now for two and a half years, they've been this middling team. And middling with where they are financially, with where they are in their cycle, is going to get frustrating and frustrating. And this is, of course, Quinn's first full season. This is for an office that is still fairly new, but an owner that's pretty active. And, like, there's a lot of moving parts here and uh, a lot of intrigue, let's just say. For people around the league, uh, people, people like me, like, I'm in, I'm intrigued to see what the Hawks are going to do. But um, hopefully that's sort of an appetizer as we get into the Christmas holiday now. But also, trade rumor stuff is starting to fly more regularly, and I'll cover all of it as we get going on the podcast. So that'll do it for today's show. I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. We'll be back after the game on Tuesday. Again, it's a, it's a road game in Chicago, a battle between teams that have a pretty similar resume right now, um, and uh, a nice challenge for the Hawks. Again, TBD on the injury report, all that stuff. Hopefully, Joe Johnson is back in the near future. could be as early as Tuesday. And we'll, we'll have a full breakdown of that game, as we always do, after it is over. Please, 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 if, you, if you're just not finding the podcast, it's a crazy time to do it on Christmas, but welcome to the welcome aboard on the podcast. Please subscribe to the show and like the podcast on YouTube. Subscribe on the audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, Overcast, Google Podcasts, etc. Five-star ratings and reviews are appreciated, for sure. Uh, please tell a friend or two or three about the podcast. Again, follow us on Twitter slash X at Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roll, and also write about the Hawks, Patreon dot com slash bt roland for all of your written musings and i appreciate the support there as well and honestly thank you for listening to the podcast always merry christmas happy holidays enjoy your family time and i'll have a couple more days here before i'm back on a podcast but stay tuned and we'll see you after the game on tuesday